0: What is going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Overreaction Buffalo postgame show. Brought to you by the Market Dominator team on the Buffalo Rumblings vidcast network presented by Picasso's Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's We Are Buffalo Pizza Shipping local and nationwide order online at Picasso's Pizza.net. Greetings, everybody. I am the voice of the Overreaction Buffalo Post Game Show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me as always on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Do me a favor, make sure you like and subscribe, whatever platform you are watching or tuning in on, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, if it's live right now, if you are on a podcast platform spotify i don't know apple podcast google play whatever your flavor is wherever you go to get your content make sure you like and subscribe and you know what don't be afraid if there's an opportunity to leave some feedback uh tell them how much you love not only myself but all the great content creators here on buffalo rumblings we are as we like to say super chat live Uh, which basically means that this is a podcast. And I've been been flirting with the idea of going into this season. So this year, a lot of you already know that I'm not doing the time to shine this year. The time to shine was my Saturday, which oddly enough, today is Saturday. My normal Saturday spot, it was a prediction show, and I would have uh, the Mafia come on and you guys would join me. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm flirting with the idea of actually doing that uh, in this show, post-game of having a segment so so cutting back some of my content uh that i normally do after a a football game after a bills game and instead of doing the full kind of script that i do actually providing an opportunity for you guys to come in and just tell me what you thought about the game and then respond or react like a call-in show uh, if you will, but, uh, it's so good. So we'll see how this show goes. We'll see how all that goes. I'm not really sure, but as, as we always say, this is a podcast. Um, if you want to get my attention, please do me a favor, jump over to YouTube, uh, super chat me. It'll show up on my screen. It'll glow. Uh, and, uh, then I'll know you're here which is fantastic. Fantastic. Rather, I did at the top of the show say that this program, this, this here, uh, show is brought to you by the market dominator team. And let's take a brief moment just to hear from the show sponsor, John Spazchek and the market dominator team folks. It's the market dominator here coming to my Buffalo football family. I love you guys. And I love our clients. I am also the proud sponsor of the Overreaction Podcast, hosted by my good friend, Joe Miller. You know, his approach is excellence, and that's the same as ours. Just as our team is out there competing in an excellent way, we wanna use the most cutting edge technology and artificial intelligence to help win and get every advantage we can to squash our competition for you, our clients. So please, if you're looking to buy or sell and you wanna win, you call me directly, I will answer. 716-570-32980. Go Bills. Go Bills. That is the one, the only John check. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, if you are in the market, please do yourself uh, the wonderful favor that I did myself, which was call John. Uh, you can reach him at 716 570 3298 That number again is 716 570 3298 Make sure you tell him the voice sent you He loves it because he loves to call me and say, hey, I just want you to know I got a call from so-and-so today. They're looking to sell their house, and they told me the voice told me to call you. (laughs) So make sure you tell them the voice called or the voice told you that the voice sent you. Anyways, getting getting down to business, sort of. I had a great weekend, uh, or I should say a week this week, hanging out at camp, connected with some old friends, uh, made some new friends. There's just something about the mafia. There's something about you guys, and there's something about being connected to you guys and being in those situations. Camp is just a ton of fun. I had the pleasure, the privilege of going to five different camp days. I know some people didn't get to go to one because of work and schedules and other stuff like that, but I got to go to five, it was amazing. Uh, today was, uh, uh, this whole week, the, the weather this the weather this summer has been pretty unbelievable, right? Uh, I, I think we've had four days in the 90s is all we've had. Uh, And for the most part, we had like a week and a half of two weeks of humidity and then the weather broke on Monday and it's just been absolutely splendid since then. And today was no different. I didn't get to the opportunity to watch this football game live. uh, Simply just due to the fact that uh, how do I want to say it? So last year (laughs) we had the first annual uh, Miller family reunion at Lake, New York, where we're all from. And uh, at the reunion, we scheduled this year's family reunion. And we were like, hey, oh, by the way, let's do it August 13th. And sure enough, the first Bills preseason game is August 13th, 2022. So I didn't get to get out of the the, the Miller family reunion, but I did run home. I raced home. I watched the game. Uh, and here we are. And I feel a little rushed, even still, because when you've been going all day long and you get home and you're like, you're, you're not you don't get to watch the game in a natural kind of setting. And then you don't get to like decompress with the game you don't get to kind of like feel how it made you feel when you're just kind of rush through it it's a little unnerving so i feel a little unnerved right now but i'm ready i'm i'm ready to talk about this football game between the colts and the bills however i cannot start the show officially and you're like joe you've, you've been talking for <laughs> like seven minutes yes I, actually it's not true a minute and a half of that is like the, pre, the, the pre-show thing or the the intro but I can't start the show without saying this. This is this is, this is is part of who I am. I think since the very first show I ever did, uh, I said this. So we're going to begin here even before we jump into the football talk. And I'm going to say this. Whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, at the gym with your AirPods in, on the drive to work, or watching me right now live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, let me just say one more time, welcome. It's good to have you. So the first meaningless football game is in the books for the 2022 season. And it's funny because as, as meaningless as it is, we have to derive something from it. I and, and I feel like there's a pressure sometimes to derive something from the meaningless when sometimes it might just be meaningless and there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, so we'll do our best to talk through some things, what I liked, what it, I'm not really going to do. Well, I think I did what I didn't like. I don't know. Some, some players I felt helped themselves. Some players I felt maybe kind of hurt themselves a little bit. Maybe some surprises, some things that I found interesting, that sort of thing. Uh, but we're going to talk through a little bit of this football game. We're going to have some fun during this episode. And, again, if you've got a question or a comment for me, please do me a favor, super chat me, and uh, would love to get you on the show. Uh, this was a fun game. The Buffalo Bills win 27-24 to 24 on a game-ending field goal held by Matt Ariza. <laughs> Notice I didn't say kicked by... Tyler Bass, I say, because we all know that Tyler Bass can do his part of the job. We know that Tyler Bass can take care of business if the ball is placed right. The strings are, you know, forward, Corey Bohorquez and like everything is like happening on the turf the way that it's supposed to. So the the game, the game ending field goal, game winning field goal was held by Matariza, which was great. It was just a fun game. And there's really no other way to say it than that. And you know what's interesting is we've had a lot of fun preseason games in the McDermott era. Um, I, I the games that have come down like this one. So I, I'm immediately reminded of Josh Allen's rookie year. Uh, I, I believe it was it was it was either 18 or 19. I think it was 18 when he was the Bills came back. And I remember being at that game with a bunch of friends, and the stadium had almost completely cleared out. But the Bills found a way to come back and actually win that game uh, in like at the very very end. It just seems like preseason is different when mcdermott is here or with mcdermott here and i i know that this is the ninth straight one they talked about it on the broadcast a lot uh that they had won eight in a row and they're going for nine and then the, they pumped up the nine thing and i don't think it's just about winning because we've seen the bills win preseason games many times and it's always been it's just a preseason game it doesn't really mean anything but there's just something a little bit different i don't know what it is um, but they just seem to be fun. I don't, I mean, if 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 I don't know any, any any other way to basically call it than fun. So, but as I said, the first meaningless game is in the books. Um, you know, and when you when we come into games like this one, meaningless games, preseason games, we're looking for guys to basically execute their assignments. We're trying to get a hint as Bill's fans and even content creators as to what the coaching coaching staff is thinking, what they're doing, why certain players are doing certain things. uh, You know, is a player, you know, a, a wide receiver moving around the offensive line, or I should say the offensive kind of position group, or is he staying in one spot? Is he just a slot guy? Uh, What, what running back is starting the, like the first set of snaps and who's getting rotated more and when, and what is the situation defensively speaking, you know, who's in the nickel, who's, you know, the first off the bench for linebackers behind Tremaine so we try to glean stuff and we watch the execution of generally what amounts to a relatively sloppy football game in preseason especially the first one this one was okay it wasn't too bad it was fun it ended well I should say um but you're also looking for guys to flash right I mean when we when we talk about watching preseason games you're you're effectively one of a couple different schools you're you're either my dad so my dad hates the preseason. Has always hated the preseason. Hates the fact that as a Bill season ticket holder, he has he's forced to buy back then and actually this year and last year too two preseason games. Legitimately could care less to even watch the preseason. Uh, you've got the other people that are not obsessive, but like enjoy them. I actually enjoy. Am I weird? Is there anybody in the comment section? While I look down real quick, is there anybody else that like almost enjoys the preseason because there's literally no stress? <laughs> I get to I get to watch Buffalo Bills football with no pressure. With no stress, with no fear of embarrassment, I I, I get to, I, I get to watch Buffalo Bills football and not, you know, worry about them laying an egg, losing to a team that they should beat Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you know, throwing an interception in the end zone for the, you know, to lose the game in the last second, like all that stuff, all that stress, there's just nothing there. Like for me, the preseason is just kind of a relaxing time to just take in a Bills game. It's like, oh, the my favorite football team is on the field and I don't have to worry about anything. And that to me is kind of where I fit in to the preseason. And then there's people that could take it or leave it uh for them it might be about the experience getting to go it might some some people traveling into town for the summer for whatever might be the only opportunity they get to go but all that to say this is I've belabored the point way longer than I wanted to the preseason games have a tendency in, in the McDermott era to be kind of fun and guys flashed and we got to see guys execute their assignments and this was today a very good test for that second string defense, if you didn't know this right, already, pretty much none of the starters played. I think Taron Johnson may have been one of the few starters that I actually saw on the football field. And depending on who ends or, or wins the CB2 role, one of them, uh, whether it was uh, whether it's going to be Elam or uh, Benford, one of those guys are going to, you know, they played today as well. Uh, my buddy Jake Podger has given me a super chat. Uh, Jake, your, your message didn't come through up here. It is. Gotcha. So Jake Podger with the first super chat of the day, uh, appreciate you, Jake. Thanks for being a part of the show. Nothing better than preseason, baby. A ton of guys battling for their livelihoods, putting it on the line, the epitome of grit. And that is actually absolutely true. This is the, these are moments in the preseason where you see guys, young players that are trying to make a squad that either rise to the occasion or they really begin to realize and discover that they're probably not cut out for NFL football as coach Manos, when I played varsity baseball, used to say, you know, there's some of you on this squad right now that are, that are going to go on and play in college. And if any of you were lucky and he said, it's highly unlikely, but if any of you were lucky, one of you might get to go play triple a ball. But he said, for the majority of you, you're going to be softball players. (laughs) He was right. I was one of the softball players. You just, it's one of those things. The the, the lines begin to get drawn pretty hard. And, and that's what uh, preseason does. Jake, thank you so much for the super chat. You are the man. Uh, I better see you on Monday morning at the gym. That's all I'm going to say. No more skipping. No more gym skipping over at STA, Jake Podger. But uh, this was a great test uh, for this Bill's second string defense. Uh, as they faced the first-string offense for uh, this Indianapolis Colts team to include Matt Ryan for quite a bit of the game. Now, we didn't see Jonathan Taylor. We saw uh, the backup there, but 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 for the most part, I mean, you saw everybody out there, and the defense, in my opinion, fared pretty well. Uh, there was a little bit of sloppy offense on both sides between the Colts and the Bills. Case Keenum, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Turnovers-wise, the Bills had five. That is not ideal. I can promise you, even with the the gritty, gutsy win and the Bills pulling it out, that team pulling it out, I I can guarantee you this week McDermott is going to be talking a lot about putting the ball on the ground, uh, not being safe with the ball, getting your hands up and tipping the ball up into the air, a lot of things like that. But the Bills had five turnovers in this football game. The Colts had two. Uh, And I'll be honest with you, if you had told me at 1 o'clock today before this football game, that Keenum would would be outplayed. And he basically would have played very poorly. And Matt Barkley would actually be the guy that outplayed him. I probably would have laughed. Right? I don't think any of us were necessarily expecting that, especially from what I saw in camp the five times that I went from Matt Barkley and Case Keenum. But nonetheless, here we are. Now don't get crazy. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go someplace with this. And and I there's probably already people. Out there in Twitterverse, that are like, why don't we know this? Why this bum is here, right? We got, I mean, Matt Barkley clearly outplayed him and we don't need this guy, yada, yada, yada. I'll start here. It was interesting to me to see 18 out there on a jersey. It kind of made me miss Kyle Orton a bit, a little bit. Not for long because Case Keenum played nothing like Kyle Orton. But I would say this you have nothing to worry about, literally nothing. Case Keenum is going to be QB2 for this football team behind Josh Allen. I think Matt Barkley played well. I think he played remarkably well. I want to talk about him in a minute. But Case Keenum is a legitimate QB2 in the NFL where Matt Barkley, if everything goes right, and I think we saw a lot of everything go, go right, and a lot of times that go right stuff is personal, right? The ball's got to come out on time. You've got to be confident in where you're going. You can't stare down your receiver, which – Matt Barkley has a tendency to do. He has a tendency to stare down his receivers. I just happened to look down. Ralph Wilson Sr. says uh, McDermott will talk penalties. That also will happen. That also will happen. But Case Keenum is is beyond a shadow of a doubt, the QB2 behind Josh Allen. Um, It was great to see Matt Barkley perform. It's hard to not root for Matt Barkley. He is, I like the guy. I think a lot of Bills fans like him. I don't want to see him taking snaps on game day. But I like him, and he is widely, wildly liked in the in the Bills' locker room as well. He's just an awesome dude. Now, things that I like from this football game, I loved the the, the big gutsy third down stop by the defense early in the game. Uh, it was inside the five, and then they ended up forcing the field goal. Uh, just to see that defense step up and stick people. The, the defense, for the most part, today in this football game, they were stingy. Most of the day, they were stingy. It's amazing to me to see Frazier and McDermott just kind of plug guys in almost sometimes to the point where it doesn't matter. Now it doesn't mean that they play perfect football. It's not a situation of we just found this guy of the scrap heap and we put him in and he was better than everybody else. Don't do anything. Don't block that guy. I'm going to block him from here. I think I just blocked him permanently. I think, I I think I finally won Jay Spence. Jay Spence is in the chat. (laughs) For those of you in podcast land, Jay Spence and I, we we battle this this bot all the time, and uh, generally speaking, the 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 moderators in the comment section hide them, which is great. Put the put the bot in time out but I, I I think I literally got to it fast enough, and I think I may have successfully blocked them finally forever and for good. We'll see. Hopefully, they're blocked forever. But anyways, where was I? Oh yeah, plug and play. So the you know we. It's not a situation of just grabbing a jag, just any old guy uh off of the scrap heap and plugging that dude in and 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 it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's just as good as Taron Johnson. Oh my gosh, this guy's just as good as Matt Milano. Oh my gosh, this guy is just as good as whoever. I mean, just pick somebody. Uh, it doesn't really necessarily matter who we're talking about. It just seems like they find a way to position people. they get the right guys the the, the mentality, the makeup, the football IQ the talent that they need to do to execute whatever the job is. And then they put them in a situation in a game situation, preseason or whatever else. We saw it at the end of the last year when uh Trey went down and by and large Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace did a remarkable job. It's just wild to watch them do this and watch guys succeed in this defensive scheme. I don't exactly know why it happens or how it happens. I just know that it's relatively pretty amazingly consistent which is great um and it, and it gives me hope for the realities of realizing we're going to lose players, right're we're, go- we're going to, next year for instance. so so the end of this year uh going into 2023, Matt Milano has a 14 million dollar cap hit and Tremaine Enmond is going to be looking for a contract. That's a scary thought when you think about $14 million from Matt Milano when Josh Allen's going to cost 39 and Diggs, Diggs is going to be whatever Diggs is going to be and Vaughn Miller's going to be whatever Vaughn Miller's going to be. And then you got to give Tremaine, potentially Tremaine Edmonds a contract as well. So it's like, well, are both those guys going to be here? It remains to be seen. Are one Is one of them going to be gone? Are they both going to be gone? God forbid both are gone, but at the end of the day, it gives me supreme confidence that the Bills can at least, I'm going to use the word patchwork. Patchwork defensively to kind of hide the the flaws of maybe a player that's not as good as somebody else that's missing. They just do a very good job. It's remarkable how, as I said, Frazier and McDermott do this. They just plug guys in and play, and it works. They just fit. The second-string defense, that was an incredible test against Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is – I don't know where I stand on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has gone to a Super Bowl – He's thrown for a bazillion yards. I don't know what what other accolades he has. There's conversations that Matt Ryan is probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Now, he is a little bit older, but that Colts team is good. Michael Pittman was out there. Naheem Hines was out there. I love Naheem, Naheem Hines. Now, obviously, Jonathan Taylor did not play. But for the most part, that second string defense played extremely well, remarkably well. And to me, they should be celebrating how well they played. Now, the offense, the first the, the second team offense was a bit of a stinker. And that's probably being nice. Right? Probably being nice. But I think the most encouraging thing I saw, and everybody's gonna have different takeaways, right? And we're gonna get to hear this week from all the Bills beats beat reporters. We're gonna get to hear from all the bills dudes like the bills the reporters on tv we're going to get to hear from you know the, the content creators you know the 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 Joe Marinos of the world and the Greg the, the Greg Thompson of the world and everybody else talk about which Greg and them have probably already done their show for for tonight their post game but every everybody's going to have different takeaways for me the biggest takeaway for this defense was the tackling they were just sound and 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 very much for the most part sure tackling in this game now that doesn't mean that they Bottled everybody up and a yard was not gained. It's never that cut and dry, and it's never that simple. I just felt like I was very encouraged by what I saw from this defense and primarily from a tackling standpoint. Now, the question is, and and I would be interesting to know what you guys think. These are just my opinions, right? You know, it's the it's the who helped themselves conversation, who hurt themselves conversation. I think the first guy that I'm gonna point out in in the in the idea of who helped himself was Raheem Blackshear for those of you that don't know that haven't been to camp maybe haven't really been connected or seen or heard anything necessarily since draft or just after the draft Raheem Blackshear is an undrafted free agent out of Virginia Tech and he shined in this football game late he had a couple uh kick returns that he actually shined in I liked watching that from him now I did report if you remember, and a lot of people other have as well. He has been practicing. He's been in that rotation for kick returns and punt returns, primarily kick returns. But I thought Raheem Blackshear helped himself a lot. He gave the Bills something to think about now. Pump the brakes, Bills Mafia. <laughs> because if Raheem Blackshear comes out next week against the Denver Broncos and has a similar game to what he had in this one, except he scores two or three touchdowns Raheem Blackshear is going to be the next like Lionel Gates right he's going to be the next guy that's at the back of the roster that all of Bill's mafia wants because he's so much better we've seen it in preseason that's where it kind of gets blurry for all of this stuff as far as like watching these players and seeing people flash and what happens and I would I would remind you or bring you back to as recently as Antonio Williams Antonio Williams, we all were clamoring for Antonio Williams at some point, just because in preseason and in times when he got to play, he looked really good. But for some reason, and the Bills staff seem to know more than we do, otherwise we would probably have their jobs and drive their cars and live in their houses. But they seem to realize or have an understanding that we don't, that The likes of Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and at this point, James Cook are better than Raheem Blackshear. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to make the football team. I felt like he helped himself well. I'm just trying to basically get you guys to pump the brakes just a little bit. I should have brought a bottle of water down. I'm getting a little dry in the throat. Another guy that I thought was incredible in this football game and did a lot to help himself, which is... So I noticed Blackshear in camp. The guy that I did not notice in camp and literally had to Google as his number kept showing up on the screen during this football game was Baylin Spector. I was like, who is who's 54? A.J. Klein is not in this football team and he's not that fast. Like, what is going on? I thought Baylon Spector did a lot uh in the in the way of creating an argument for himself. To, to be on this football game football team were to begin to be having considerations of being we know that this team is deep at, at the linebacker position we know it already but I thought Bayil Specter did a lot I believe I saw I believe I saw I I'm not saying it's one thousand percent true but I believe I saw even a moment where Specter was calling the defense Which makes me wonder when we hear about just other players on this defense being uh, conditioned or being trained to play both positions—the Mike and the Will. It was it was interesting to me that Specter was the guy when he was on the field that was calling the defenses. Sorry, I'm asking my family to bring me a bottle of water. Um. I thought he shined. I thought he flashed. I thought he played really, really well, even on special teams. Bale inspector showed up another guy, Cam Lewis. I thought Cam Lewis and the limited reps that he got played really well. <coughs> and effectively the guy that we all know that I want to talk about, <laughs> I didn't put him at the top on purpose. I mean, he was playing with the third team. I'm, I'm a Homer, but I'm not that much of a Homer. I'm, a realist as well, Isaiah Hodgins did a lot to help himself in this football game, starting with that highlight real catch. He was the go-to wide receiver down the stretch of that football game, and he showed, and believe it or not, I know we see it as a preseason game, but for these young guys, any game is NFL football. He showed in the moment that the moment was not too big for him. He was reliable. He was open. He was sure-handed. He dropped one ball that came at him a little bit too hot. I don't think he was ready for it. I think he was just looking back, and he was upset with himself that he didn't catch it. And for those of you that don't know Isaiah Hodgins' story, he was a very sure-handed receiver in college coming out of Oregon State. That was his thing. He didn't drop passes. And you saw a little bit of that in this football game. He made some acrobatic catches. He made some low-to-the-ground catches. He made that diving catch. I thought he did a lot and it's int- what's interesting to me about what we witnessed in this game and where he was is I had I had watched him at camp and reported on it here as have other reporters and content creators that, that he was running with the twos so I was surprised that they had him down so far like all the way down in you know with the threes So it'll be interesting to see this week at practice, not that we're going to get to see a lot from practice, but it's going to be interesting to see this week, and it's going to be interesting to see next week against Denver, what that does or how that changes necessarily the situation, especially when we know, I mean, we're not, we're not, what's the word? We're not, uh, we're not kidding ourselves. We know how much, how highly this team thinks of Jake Kumaro. We know how highly this team and the money that they spent on a guy like Jamison Crowder how much room there is. We watched this football game. Thank you, McKenna. We watched this football game, and we saw a situation where Khalil Shakir showed everybody in the world exactly who he is and why the Bills drafted him and why every other team made a mistake, right, in not drafting him. And the the last guy on my list that I thought helped himself, and you might have a different list, and that's cool. The last guy that helped himself, Matt Barkley. I already said it. He Crisp throws. He was decisive. Where where in the Hades is this Matt Barkley? Like on a normal basis. Because when you're at camp, even this year, and you're watching Matt Barkley, the third team play, he's indecisive. He's staring guys down. He's running around the field. When he throws it away, he kind of noodle arms it to the sideline. Sometimes he noodle arms it into traffic. It's... It's very awkward. And then you watch, this was almost reminiscent of that Jets game, that very first football game that he played as a Buffalo Bill when he put 40 on the Jets. And everybody was like, "Uh, <laughs> who's this guy? Who's this dude that we just picked up off the scrap, scrap heap? I know his name is Matt Barkley, but that dude didn't have a job last week. And now all of a sudden he just threw up 40 with one week of practice on the Jets. There's something about Matt Barkley. If if somebody can convince the guy to be decisive, not stare down at his receivers, put some zip on the football, and had the ball come out on time, which you heard Steve Tasker talk about a hundred times, the kid can probably play. <laughs> like, what, what, where did that come from? The dude led the team. He it was a come from behind win. It was a preseason, but it was a it was a, it was a come from behind win. So those are my guys that I felt helped themselves. Blackshear. Bail inspector Cam Luce, Isaiah Hodgins, and Matt Barkley. Not that Matt Barkley is going to be fighting for the backup QB role, but I think he more stuff like that that ends up on film, more reps like those, and it puts the Bills in a, in a situation and other teams where, hey, maybe this guy can do what we need him to do from a backup standpoint. Matt Barkley is never going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's Probably never going to be a backup quarterback like a QB2, but this this provides an opportunity to, the more that he does this type of stuff to show that maybe he deserves a conversation about it or he deserves a camp battle. He's not going to get one here. He's not going to win that job here, not at this point. And, and at the end of the day, Case Keenum, as much as he did not play well in this football game, I don't know that that's the Case Keenum that we would normally see week seven of the season if he had to play. You're going to see a sharp, crisp, decisive Case Keenum that knows the playbook inside and out. Which, by the way, if we're being honest with the whole entire situation, the Bills playbook, the Brian Dable, and now Ken Dorsey playbook, is one of the hardest, as per players, in the NFL. Very hard. So to assume that maybe Case Keenum is having a little bit of trouble even still digesting it is probably reasonable because this is the first game experience he's had. With said playbook. Now, the question is. Who, in my opinion, if you're Joe Miller, who hurt themselves? Now, there were some untimely penalties. There were some things that weren't great. There was obviously some fumbles There were some tip balls, things like that. But when it comes to McDermott, we know that he concentrates on two things as, as it pertains to negatives. One is turnovers, always turnovers. The other one is always going to be penalties. But for me, there's only two guys, in my opinion, that hurt themselves in this football game. And the reason is, and this isn't going to make everybody happy because, well, we have favorites in this town and we love guys with nicknames. Jamison Crowder's got to come down with that football. The Bills are paying him decent money. It's not amazing money, but they're they're paying him more than they're paying Isaiah McKenzie who got the opportunity to sit. So we know where Isaiah McKenzie fits in the the grand scheme of things. He's the number one slot receiver. But I don't think that Jamison Crowder coming around that corner wide open. It was a great route. He ran a phenomenal route. Ball was right there. Should have been caught. Tipped it straight up in the air. Interception. And as much as people don't feel like the Bills are in a position to walk away from Crowder because there's no cap savings there. Basically, if you cut him, you're cutting him for just for the sake of the roster spot. I don't, I don't buy it. I think the Bills are probably more afraid of losing young talent than they are of, you know, keeping Crowder and like not having value for the money that they spent. If you follow that train of thought. The other one is Kumaro. I love Jake Kumaro. But both of these guys are on; they're wholly on a bubble. The question is: is who's on the bubble, where? How many wide receivers are the Bills going to keep? And at the end of the day, holding onto the football, not tipping the ball into the into the opponent's hands; those things are going to matter, especially when you've got a guy walk out on the field, and not just one guy, several of them. Khalil Shakir, Isaiah Hodgins. And there were some. There were some great catches in this football game. Sure-handed catches. So from my vantage point, and you can call me biased if you want, I don't think I am. I think if we got honest with ourselves, there weren't many guys in this game that hurt themselves or hurt their status. If there were two because of turnovers, it was probably these two, right? Probably just those two. And I don't think it's too much to overly necessarily read into hey Bill's Mafia we all know Buffalo is a drinking town with a football problem and just like an a- an allen to Diggs touchdown pass I have the perfect pass for you the trail pass that is the Western New York Be- beer trail and the 2022 trail pass is your passport to great local craft beer and other craft beverages in western New York when you purchase and use a trail pass you get or you can get two half-priced beers at 42 different area breweries bottle shops and pubs, including a metery, a cider works, and a distillery. And you, and you score over $350 of savings inside the past. Just like a Bill's Patriots playoff game. You score every single time you use it. <laughs> I love, it. I don't write these reads. The, the sponsors write the reads and that is a dynamite line from this read. <laughs> Just like a Bill's playoff game or Bill's Patriots playoff game score every time you use it it's just great sorry i digress the 2022 trail pass is good now through the end of the year and is available along with other beer trail items at the website www.wnybeertrail.com click on the shop tab they can also be found At the Totally Buffalo Store in Amherst and Orchard Park, Buffalo Gift Emporium in Tonawanda, and at the One-Eyed Cat Brewery or Brewing in Williamsville. We are Western New York Beer Trail. We are proud to support everything local. Craft beer, small business, and local charities watch for our meetups and fundraising events along the way as well. Western New York Beer Trail. Drink local. Support local. We'll see you on the trail. Do me a favor. Jump out and... uh, go to www.wnybeertrail.com and if you are into craft beers pick one up you'll 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 like it i promise i absolutely promise interesting things i noticed and we're going to be wrapping this show up here relatively soon things that i noticed so it's always important when you look at the first specifically in preseason even when the starters aren't in who were the firsts so it was interesting to me that james cook received the first kickoff return I like the idea, the concept of James Cook being the kickoff returner, mainly because of his speed, his cutting, the ability, his body type, right? The body type that he has, he kind of looks like a kick returner. Now, I don't want James Cook to be the kick returner of this football team, but if we're in a situation where we don't have a guy like Andre Roberts on our team, shout out to Jay Spence the King, give me a guy that has a very similar body type and has the twitch muscles and the speed and probably the decisiveness to find the holes, that a guy like Andre, Andre Roberts has, I think James Cook could be that guy. So for me, that was very interesting. Just a point of note, Shakir. Khalil Shakir was the first punt returner. He received the first punt, which there weren't very many, many punts in this game at all, but that says something. So of the guys that are on the bench that they've been rotating, about five of them, and obviously Tavon Austin is injured and so is uh, Marquez Stevenson, but Shakir was the first guy that received a punt. Just something of in, something interesting to me. And then when you look at it, they mixed around Duke Johnson quite a bit too. So Duke was, I think he was the only one that, re, that, that took a kickoff return and a punt return. So this, I would say that this battle for returner is very much still in play. I don't know that there's a decision. I don't know that they're even close, right? I, it'll be interesting to see when Tavon Austin gets healthy. Or I should say, Marquise Stevenson gets healthy. I don't think I saw Tavon Austin in this game. Did in the comments section was did Tavon play? I would love to know if, if Tavon played. So, and I'll I'll come back to it in a second. I'll come back to the comments section in a second. I would just love to know if Tavon Austin played because I don't even remember seeing him on the field. I don't know if he was a healthy scratch. Again, I was late getting to this game i had to race home and i had to watch it and fast forwarded through all the between the plays and stuff like that so i didn't even really get to hear a lot of the commentary so yeah so ralph wilson says no and uh jessica tennis says he austin sat out so maybe he's still struggling with some soreness or something like that so things that i noticed running backs no devin singletary in this football game i thought zach moss looked smooth and decisive um zach moss has taken a beating from content creators, and from Bill's media personalities for not necessarily, I would say it this way. I think there's a, there's a great deal of, what's the word I want to use? There's a great deal of, animosity is way too strong of a word. That's not the word. There's a great deal of, huh, that's kind of hung up in the expectation. We thought that when Zach Moss got drafted in the third round two years ago, and he made comments like, I make people, I make, you know, defense, defenders make business decisions, which basically means I'm going to run you over. I make defenders think twice before they tackle me. When a guy says something like that, and then he doesn't play that way. I think it makes people think twice about kind of the confidence that they hung on him, right? Because as content creators, as much as our words don't merit any value outside of entertainment. And I'm going to say that again for any content creator that's listening right now that feels like their words matter (laughs) or somehow they know more than anybody else or somehow as a content creator or a Bill's Beat reporter that they know as much as a coaching staff or a player or whatever, our words don't matter. Solely entertainment is what this is. I love the Bills, you love the Bills. Let's talk about the Bills together. Entertainment. And I, th- I feel like we as content creators hung our, our confidence on this idea that he was going to take over for Devin Singletary and it was going to be relatively immediate. This is the guy. This we don't have uh, Devin Singletary. We like him. Yeah, nice young kid. Got big thick thighs. Love the dude. Always positive. Warmed up with Frank Gore, ran up and down the sideline, did everything Frank Gore did. We love the story. But he just doesn't have the speed, right? He can make a guy miss in a phone booth, but he doesn't have that breakaway speed. we got to have an RB1. we got to have an RB1. It's going to be, we drafted Zach Moss. He's the guy. He look, I said his highlights remind me of Marshawn Lynch highlights in college when he was at Cal. Zach Moss is not Marshawn Lynch. And I, I that's not I'm not saying anything bad. I like Zach a lot. Zach's a good dude. He looks he looked very smooth and decisive in this football game. And it, it and it came out, Jay Spence the King had him on his show on the code of conduct, and it came out in that show that Zach played all of last season with either screws in his ankle or in his foot. He said it on Jay Spence's show. Which, let's be honest, none of us knew. None of us knew that he had screws or ankles or screws in his ankle or his foot. And that hindered his ability to play, as you can imagine that it would. And and now he is completely healthy. And I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to see a different Zach Moss in 2022. It looks like all through camp, he looked different. And that different that he looked carried over into this football game, this preseason game. And I'm excited to see him the rest of the way in preseason, just to see what he brings as they begin to sprinkle sprinkle the starters in, if he gets the opportunity to be behind the the primary offensive line once or twice. I'm excited to see if there's an opportunity for him to become maybe that guy that we all thought that he was going to be, right?
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge
0: James Cook flashed some speed, but I'll be honest with you, in my opinion, he struggled horribly in between the tackles, which is kind of the book on him. The book on him is that he does not have great contact ba- contact balance, which basically means when somebody touches him, he falls down. We saw a little bit of that in this football game. So I don't really have much to report on you for Cook. It'll be interesting to see if they work him into some screens. We saw Zach Moss catch a screen. We saw Blackshear catch a screen. We didn't really see them work, cooking into the open field a whole lot. But this football game for me, from, from the things that I noticed, the things that I thought was interesting, this was, and I already talked about it, the Raheem Blackshear game by far and away. It does not mean that Raheem Blackshear is going to make this squad. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will view what he does and it's going to be somehow better. Than what they already have, and that goes for everybody that's kind of on that third team, right? When you're on that third team, it kind of says something. You are on the wrong side of the bubble. If the bubble is an arc, right? You don't want to be anywhere in the bubble when it pops, but you definitely don't want to be on the backside of that bubble, right? And that, if you're on the third, if you're on the third squad, that's kind of where you are. But but Raheem Blackshear played a great football game. Wide receivers, real quick. So getting back to that, how did the game start? How did things start? Because how it started is important. This game started offensively with Khalil Shakir, Jamison Crowder, and Jake Kumero which I found as a surprise because that lineup, 10, 80, and 15, 10 on the outside. So Shakir on the outside, Crowder in the in the slot, Kummer on the outside was nothing that we saw in camp until probably Thursday of this week before this football game. Shakir was primarily in the slot. Crowder was taking number three reps because he'd been hurt and coming off and he was not really in sync with Allen at all. Kumaro was also hurt early in camp, and then when he came back, he was kind of mixed and mingled. And then the the depth chart came out for this game, right? And Kumaro was the number one X ex, X receiver But even if you, if you go back and look at these, three guys based off of, I think Khalir was the number four. Shakir was the number four slot guy. And he started the game at the Y. Interesting. It just things that are interesting. Thing like, what do we take? What do we take out of this? So it's just stuff that's that you should be paying attention to looking at and then being like, huh, that's interesting. It was interesting to me. And that's the segment we're in things that are interesting to Joe. (laughs) Khalil Shakir flashed, and he had some fight. I like this kid a lot. I like – he showed there was not a disruption. And and the same thing is true of Isaiah Hodgins. There was not a disruption for, from what you saw Khalil Shakir do in this game. There was no disruption from camp to this game. Zero disruption. Everything that Khalil Shakir has been billed as, he is. Right down to making highlight reel catches – and then sometimes dropping or tipping or missing a ball that he should easily catch. He didn't do that in this game. He, I think he secured almost every pass. And I don't, I don't think he missed a ball that he should have caught. But that kid is good. He's a good football player. I'm really, really excited about him. Really excited. We already talked about Jameson Crowder a little bit. It is what it is. I think the mo- one of the more interesting things to me about what we saw in this football game against the Colts with the wide receiver group is they mixed and matched a lot. They just mixed and met Tyler or Tanner Gentry was in there with different squads. Guys were kind of all over the place. They're just moving guys all over the place, which was not the same. That was, there was more of a static approach early in camp. And what I mean by that is you're the number two in this position. You're the number one in this position. You're the number three in that position, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's where guys kind of stayed and then this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever there, they were doing a little more of this, of just like what, Tanner Gentry's out there with the ones right now. Why is why is Kumaro, Khalil Shakir, and pick another random wide receiver? Why are they out there with Josh Allen right now? That kind of that happened a little bit this past week. It was strange. Uh, you could say that it was they were doing that because they were getting ready for this football game, which is possible. But I don't know why you would. I don't know why I don't know why you would do that, but. That's what they did. So that's the wide receiver group for me as far as what I found interesting. Now, the other position group that I want to talk about real quick before we get up out of here are the defensive backs. I thought Kair Elam played very well. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation. Uh, I've listened to different content creators like Joe Marino talk about and and, and Thomas DeLoss. I've heard him uh, talk, who's in the chat group, the comment section right, right now, talk about him just kind of being in his head. And I agree. I I have no disagreement in any of those type of analysis about Elam at all. He definitely seems to be overthinking quite a bit as far as, you know, just what's going on in front of him, what he's doing, what he's supposed to be doing, things of that nature. But I thought he played very well in this football game. Yes, he had the one-passer interference penalty. Big deal. It's going to happen. Running backs fumble. Quarterbacks throw interceptions, defensive backs get pass interference calls. It just, it it is what it is. He had a great breakup in the first series. Christian Benford continues to impress. It's going to, this is, this is going to come down to a pretty incredible battle. And I'll be honest with you, it's going to make both of them better. If the Bills somehow hit a home run with both of these guys, it just means great things for this football team. I felt that Cam Lewis flashed the the, the little bit. I think I said that earlier, the little bit that he was on the field. This this defensive back group is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun conversation through the next preseason, three preseason or two preseason games. Sorry, old school there. To find out what happens. And clearly the jury is still out. We don't know what the status of Tredavious White is. I see him doing things on the sideline recovering from a torn ACL that I can't do. <laughs> like, the dude is doing some crazy drills and exercises, Tredavious White, that is, right now. And it's like, he can't go out on the football field and run around? That's what you're telling? He's doing that jumping and hopping and skipping move, but he can't go on the football field and run around? It'll be interesting to see when he comes back what that timetable is. They're clearly not rushing him. And I would hope to believe that a guy like Benford is giving him them a reason to not rush him back. Real quick, and then I'm gonna get you guys out of here. I just want to hit some uh stats from this football game, and then we're gonna wrap this this puppy up. Stats are the Bills in this football game. Matt Barkley was 18 to 24 for two twenty-four with one interception. It was a bad interception. <laughs> It was it was the down point of the entire game for Matt Barkley. The probably probably one of the only real bad throws he had. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to say. I I I I want to expound upon it, but there's really no way to. So I'll just let it go. It just it it just wasn't a great pass at all. It just wasn't great. Case Keenum was 11 of 18 for 86 yards, two interceptions, and a fumble. Case Keenum had a lot of bad passes, a lot of them. Case did not have a good football game. Rush exact Moss was three for 37, 12-yard average. Raheem Blackshear was six for 11 yards. He did more of his damage uh, receiving, obviously, which I'll get to in a second. Duke Johnson was six for nine, probably about what you would expect. It's a 1.5-yard average. I don't know what Duke's average is lifetime, but it's probably not much higher than that. Duke looked like Duke. James Cook did not run successfully on the ground, three for five. Receiving Khalil Shakir led the way yardage-wise, five receptions for 92 yards. Isaiah Hodgins was nine for 77. Raheem Blackshear was four of 60. Quentin Morris uh, was one for 29. And it was a beautiful catch over the shoulder, Uh, just a beautiful athletic catch. Touchdown Jesus was two for 20. Tanner Gentry was two for 11. And it just kind of goes on from there. Defensively speaking, and I normally don't go through defensive stack stats, but you know there was there were, there were some good sacks in this football game. Daniel Joseph uh, Prince Emily had a sack. Both those guys had a sack. Uh, Boogie Basham had a sack. Andre Smith had had a sack. Like the defense just played well. There was just a lot of great things to watch. You know, Joe Giles Harris had a good game. Again, Balen Specter had a good game. Terrell Bernard had a good football game. Jaquan Johnson had a good football game. Who had the interceptions? Jaquan Johnson had one. There was only one in the in the game, right? Yeah. And that dude was looking to score. <laughs> Tasker was not wrong about that part of his color commentary. He was, and the stiff arm that he gave that dude when he came around the corner was, was elite. That was an elite stiff arm on that player. Whoever, I don't, I didn't catch the name on the back of the jersey, but it was an elite stiff arm. It was awesome. And I'll round this thing out for you real quick before I talk about punters. Kick returns, Duke Johnson had two for 58 yards. One of them was, he was smooth on that first kick return. Raheem Blackshear had two for 34. Also looks good returning kicks. James kick was James Cook, rather, I'm sorry, was one for 20. Punt returns, Khalil Shakir, two for four yards. He definitely did not look, he looked fine securing the punt, did not look great returning the punt. Raheem Blackshear had one for 16 yards. This is big. The fact that this kid could potentially do both, kick return and punt return, matters. It's going to be interesting. Duke Johnson one for six. Now, the punting battle, and then I'm going to get you guys up on out of here. (laughs) Matt Hawks' punt was much shorter, probably half the yardage of Matt Ariza's. However, Matt Hawks was perfectly placed, I think, right around the 12-yard line, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he did kind of what he's supposed to do in that situation. Matt Ariza just kicked the hell out of the football. <laughs> he just, like as soon as it left his foot, both of the guys, the broadcast guys, Tasker and the other dude were like, oh my gosh, he just destroyed that football. <laughs> like, which is great if you're on the five. If you're on the 45, it's not so great. The most important thing to me about the punt battle, and Jay Spencer King and I have talked about it a lot, if these guys are even, Matt Arisa, it's Matt Arisa's job. The most important thing to me was the holding. So the fact that on that game-winning kick, that game-winning field goal, that's about the closest he's going to get to pressure, game, like real game pressure in a game-winning situation. I promise you, he felt the nerves. As a, as a kid that has never held... In his life, for a place kicker, he is a place kicker. He's a place kicker and a punter. For a kid that's never done that before, I promise you, when he had his hand out there, I guess it'd be this hand, his, his right hand, when his right hand out there waiting for the snap, his fingers were probably shaking just a little bit because it mattered. He muffs, he muffs just to set the sta- just to set the the table for you. The Bills trot Tyler Bass out there, one of the more automatic kickers in the league, 2021. It's a preseason game. doesn't matter. It's meaningless. However, I promise you, the story is playing in his head. If I muff this hold and we tie, because we can't lose, we tie this game, it's going to be a topic of conversation all week and potentially cost him a roster spot in the NFL. You might not think that there was pressure on him because it's just a meaningless football game, which is how I started this episode. I guarantee you he was feeling the weight of that kick and that hold, which is literally why I started the show with they won the game on a matterize the hold because there was a lot, there was a ton of pressure on him. And he, I promise you, whatever nerves you feel when you get up before somebody and like a crowd of people and speak because you're not good at public speaking, he was feeling that. I guarantee it, and he did it, and you know what's funny is this will be have, this will have been the hardest one he's done. Everyone after this will be easy, not easy, easier, and they'll continue to get easier until they're just routine. Crowd screaming at you, whatever, game's on the line, doesn't matter, four seconds left, we're down by, or we're tied, or we're down by two, we're down by one, we need this kick to win. That was a big deal. That was a big deal for Matt Ariza. It was good to see. I was proud of him. Super, super big deal. So ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the, I got to find my piece of paper. So I, I went and printed all these off new. I think I showed you guys the one that I had on, uh, it was either uh, a Humpty Outline or Venus show. I got like scratch marks all over it, but uh, so I went and printed myself some new ones. So I don't have to like, my, my eyes dart uh, up and down as I try to figure out what the heck I'm trying to say sometimes, because I've had to make so many changes, but anyway, sorry, sidebar. So that's ADD moment squirrel. Uh, <clears throat> thank you guys so much for tuning into the overreaction Buffalo post game show brought to you by the market dominator, on the buffalo rumblings vidcast network presented by Picasso's pizza. I am the voice, I'm the host of this show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Do me a favor. Uh it's it's football is upon us. It, actual football is actually happening and uh from here on out it's it's gangbusters. So if you were if you were on Twitter and you're not following following me, please do. If you're on Instagram and you're not following me, please do. If you're on Facebook and you're not friends with me, friend me. Uh, but, uh, and Oh, I have a YouTube channel where I'm going to start doing some like 10 minute, like short segments as well. So overreaction sports on YouTube. So find that, follow that too. But, uh, football season is here. We got our first taste of it. And, uh, I'm really, really excited. So for me, for Buffalo rumblings, for all my friends, for you guys, I love you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Go bills. (laughs)